I'm Mark Stedman. I have a broad face and a little round belly that shakes when I laugh like a bowl full of jelly. I'm John Bounds, and what will your daddy do when he sees your mama kissing Santa Claus? Aha. I'm Danny Smith, and Mark, you will be visited by three ghosts. I'm John Hickman, and today I discovered the amazing fact that in uh, It's a Wonderful Life, 42 angels get their wings because there are 42 church bells that ring. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the Leopard. leopard, leopard From the outpost, don't panic, this is Beware of the Leopard, or Three Wise Men and a Little Baby, or Podcast Yourself a Merry Little Christmas or not. Gentlemen, how have we been preparing for Christmas in the end times? Uh, can I just say that uh, I heard a great Christmas pun the other day, um... So uh, there's this teenager, uh, that's uh, my girlfriend's uh, son, and um, he found out his mate uh, had the day off after they planned to go to the pub for a meal and lots and lots of drinks. Mm -hmm. And um, the message came back, um, oh, little town of Seshlyhem, exclamation point, (laughs) exclamation point. (laughs) I'm here to just say the kids are all right, man. The kids are all right. Nice. What about you, Mark? What have you done to prepare for Christmas? I've made my windows all stencilly snowy. Um, I've got snowflakes on my windows. Um, so that there's snowflakes on my windows and also a snowflake inside the flat. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, and I've got my Christmas tree and it's a little bit bare. So um, I went to the shop today to buy some string because I'm a Victorian uh, book character. Um <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't have any string. Did anybody else get theirs up early this oh, year? Oh, hello. I mean, I like to get mine up once a year. <laughs> it's going to be a struggle, Mark. You're not going to keep us... It's going to be... It's going to be a struggle, Mark. <laughs> the last episode, dear listener, we recorded, I think, in September, so we've not we've not seen each other for a while. And we're a little bit giddy. Oh, hang on, can we can we address, like, have, have you destroyed any more of the planet this... In, in, in this time <laughs> what are you fucking milking these days you're pouring home? oil in brooks or strangling like wildlife or anything How, how's your almond milk obsession do you know how many gallons of water it makes to make one almond <laughs> dolphin milk eight gallons of water to make one, one almond. almond do you know how many how much milk you get from an almond very little. There's very little milk in these. Very almonds. little indeed. Does it? Mark almond got quite a lot of milk for <laughs> I mean, John. John's just raised the idea that you might have uh, have almond milk, but we all know that even though the uh, the dolphin is a mammal and therefore does produce milk, you just grind them to make milk. You just <laughs> smash them up. <laughs> until is that what you do? Is that what we do with dolphins? <laughs> That's I how you make dolphin milk. That's how you make dolphin milk. That's, you do that. You put them in a muslin bag until like it all drips through. Are you the guy that got banned from most of the stores in King's Heath because he was asking for dolphin unfriendly tuna? <laughs> I'm looking for tuna that's rude to dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> I want my I want my tuna surly, goddammit. You go into a butcher's and ask for polar bear, is that is that you, Mark? <laughs> that's me. Uh, so the conceit of the show then is that um each of us uh when when sober, um well speaking for myself anyway, uh we write a piece uh, of work that might be considered a submission for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy on a given topic this uh, month. The topic is Christmas. And so that's what we've done. We've done made things about Christmas. My cat has now jumped on my sound gear. So it's going to be a rough ride, lads. <laughs> so this is going to come out on Valentine's Day. Yep. <laughs> I was going to say, we'll, we'll do something romantic for uh, for Easter. So first up at the um, Christmas writing Oki is 
one Daniel Smith, um, aged aged forty one and a bit. Um, one Daniel Smith sounds like a new um, office development just off of Broad Street. <laughs> one Daniel Smith. <laughs> <laughs> the, the co-working space there is absolutely mint, lads. The Wi-Fi. Oh, so, uh, Anna Nicole Smith's son was called Daniel. Mm-hmm. He died of an overdose about the same time I was taking quite a lot of drugs. Do you know how scary it is to wake up to the paper saying Daniel Smith dead of an overdose? <laughs> Right. I mean, it wouldn't scare me, like. But I, <laughs> tonight, yeah, my, my Danny, you'll be Danny. visited by three ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the last time I bought a paper. <laughs> Do you want to introduce it in any way, Dan? Obviously, it's a problem talking about a, a thing that is unique to, um, well, as far as we know, unique to the planet Earth um, culturally uh, in the context of space. So I wrote my bit to try and kind of open it up mm-hmm. for everybody to be able to write their bits. Thank you for your service. I am I am kind of a hero, a little bit like Jesus. I said that to um, Lucy, my girlfriend, uh, yesterday, and I've never seen her laugh so fucking much. It was insulting how funny she found me saying those particular words. They say a relationship uh, takes two things, laughter and sex, or they often say not at the same time. <laughs> Warning. This entry contains a highly virulent idea virus. If not exposed to the Xmas disease, please skip. Look, yes, we realise how tempting it is now to read said entry, especially if not already exposed, but don't. Okay, and we've told you the name, so you can now look elsewhere, so we've probably already infected you in the first place. But our lawyers have said we're covered now. Any damages incurred by you is your own damn fault, and we should probably knock off, seeing as it's lunchtime and they're getting a bunch of us together for some eggnog and a bit of a do. Xmas is a disease. Perhaps it's no coincidence that the best explanation for this comes from Planet Zero for the disease. On that planet, a one-mule backwater that orbits an unremarkable pale star, the Earth thinker and distant relative to Oolong Colufid, Richard Dawkins, theorised that ideas are much like genes, in that they exist to pass themselves on. And much like genes, they will change and grow to facilitate this. Eventually, ideas, given enough time, will clump together as efficient viral complexes, turning into a cultural contagion like political affiliations, business entities and, of course, religion. The fact that Earth creature Dawkins built his theories from other, more respectable scientists' work and used them to write pop science books that eventually were used to take pot shots at God would be heartening to both Dawkins and Ulon, and would suggest that there was something in this genetics thing after all. The Earth tradition would have stayed on the Earths, see multiple versions, Magrathea, clumsy deus ex machina, had it not been for its long-term visitors and hoopiest friends of the guide, Zaphod and Ford, and two galactic immigrants, Dent Dent and Trillian, who throughout their adventure in time and space, same thing really, see entries, space, time and frankly any other books, insisted on celebrating and insisted on others celebrating too, thus facilitating the spread. There are many theories why the Xmas virus is so virulent and robust. Some point to the fact it can subsume almost any idea or tradition inside itself. The Feast of the Assumption of St Antoine being a perfect example of a holiday that was once popular, then celebrated alongside Xmas, and then usurped entirely, leaving some of the more devout to try and fight for the real meaning of the Feast of the Assumption of St Antoine. Where the less devout will tell you one of the reasons Xmas won has a lot more to do with it being easier to write Happy Xmas than it is to write Happy the Feast of the Assumption of St Antoine on 28 The Feast of the Assumption of St Antoine cards. 
Smarter people than us who write the guide point the finger at gift-giving to be the key idea for its virality. Not only does this key idea not clash with another one of the dominant memeplexes of the universe, consumerism, it supports it. At the crux of it, both giving and receiving gifts can be a wonderful moment. At best, gifts contain the transcendental connection between people, allowing us the pure spiritual experience of being seen, without the Jungian horror of sharing our true selves. And at worst, you can always use socks. We at The Guide are not as smart as all that, but we will offer this. We like Christmas, and apart from that office party that we're breaking four or five hyper-injunctions by merely mentioning, we make time to celebrate every year. Nearly every planet you'll visit will have its darkest part of its orbit, and it stands any galactic traveller in very good stead if you can during this time make space for a little light, a party, drinks with your family or whoever passes for such on this part of your adventure. Anything to remind yourself that no matter how dark it gets and however far away you are from the nearest star, the light will get there eventually. Beautiful. Oh, thank you. It a, it's 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 a it's a beautiful ray of hope. I, I wanted to make something a little uh, a, a little a little nice and, and a little more uh, not maudlin. Is that the right word? No, Melan- not melancholy. Bittersweet. A little melancholy. Yeah, me- melancholy. melancholy. Yeah. yeah. I like that you've dropped your guard for Christmas. Don't I'm you? a nice guy. I'm showing us the little soft centre you've got in there. You little I truffle. Do. I, I'm, your little I'm, your little tinker. Your caramel soft centre. You. I know. People don't know that about me, but. A little bit like Jesus. Oh, there's so many bits of it uh, that, I've, that, that I've really enjoyed, Danny. Um, the little dig at Dawkins is a, is a particular delightful touch. Mm-hmm. I do think we've talked about Dawkins being a relative of Ulan Kalufid. Yeah, I think we have. Well, yeah, it's certainly um, uh, an animal. Yeah, certainly a yeah, analogue yeah, yeah, I, th- yeah, I think yeah. we came to the conclusion he parried him before he actually existed, which was mm-hmm. a, a magnificent uh, accomplishment. For those who are perhaps unfamiliar with Ulan Kalufid, he is a character that was brought on right at the beginning, right in the opening of um, of the radio show, the, the initial script, as this, um, effectively, yeah, what we would now know as a Dawkins, um, uh, as this sort of great refuter of, uh, of of religious ideas who came up with books such as um, Who Is This God Person Anyway? Uh, and and my favourite line, uh, proving you know that, that God does not exist and then going on for an encore to prove that black is white and getting run over on the next zebra crossing. That wasn't an Oolong Kalufid uh, achievement, but it, it leads on to a thing. So that is, that is your Oolong. A, a performance atheist. If you will, <laughs> yeah, a, d- a dinner party atheist. There's, there's there's a lovely bit in in that Danny right at the end, basically, uh, where you sort of touch on the idea of like darkness and and obviously, kind of Christmas as we know it, we're told is kind of born out of um, the old pagan New Year and the idea of like the, the the turning of the year and trying to make light in the darkness and that and that sort of stuff. But was when I come to mine in a bit as well I, I didn't i didn't ever really get to it but i was really interested in this idea of there's like an imperialism in when we have christmas i mean that's a brilliant point it would, uh i was talking about this only today that the um the idea that uh if we do treat jesus as a, a real historical personage if he was born he was born in sort of may mm-hmm. and i've not well versed in, uh, enough to know if that was winter in Palestine. Palestine at that time, mm-hmm. it, it can't have been because shepherds were watching their flock by night; they'd have frozen to death. <laughs> and that, well, they, I don't know. They'd got Coronation Street followed by an episode of You Bet, maybe Prime <laughs> Suspects. The, yeah, the idea that we 
but the the Christian faith in the in Western Europe had then picked uh, Christmas to be the the thing that they would start talking about and that may supplant pre existing you know mid mid winter rituals. But that yeah, the idea that this you know that how snow is so um, connected with Christmas, even so far as that if you um, I think I've seen video before of the um, the the sites in Bethlehem. And they dress them with snow. But it's, I, I think, I, I think it speaks to a larger truth. I think it speaks to like, there's a lot of cultures that before Christmas had a celebration in the middle of winter. Yes. And I think we need that. I, I think, I think there's something ingrained that we, we need to have a bit of a party and a bit of a do and um, a, well, a couple of drinks with, that, with our mates. Where I was going with that point is, is obviously like, um, I don't know if it's going to have made the tape, but we've done an extended bit about Australia just now. Um, and, I don't know if, it, if it's made the tape yet. Uh, but like, you know, just on one planet, we have Christmas and it's like high summer at the other, at the other end of the, uh, the other end of the world. So like that kind of stuff that John was just talking about, about snow in Bethlehem and that sort of stuff doesn't really doesn't really add up so how would that play across the universe if there was one christmas it's like hard enough to make it spin on one planet but like well you probably do what australia does in that they cover everything in snow and and have really twee sort of uh robin cards and stuff that's what i i'm i'm i have been told from people who have been there in over christmas roast it roast dinner on the beach (laughs) what i like to think is that it always whatever planet uh, it's on that it happens during the 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 darkest part of that cycle but that's only but that's only for half the planet yeah I did. I did have a similar thought though when I was writing my bit um, about that that very problem about the, the hemispheres because it's really hard to make something universal when it's not even global. Universal you know, the, planet, the, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it is. It really does speak to that sort of imperialism that we have. That this is just the accepted idea of, of Christmas is basically a um, not even Judeo Christian. It's a Roman Catholic. Like it's a. It's an Italian, <laughs> very much European idea of what Christmas is. We've got nothing. You know. Well, all all the iconography comes from comes from Germanic or, or European folklore, anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like that's that's where the iconography comes from. Whether whether the names are different, like we we take a tree into our house. Like how much more pagan can you get? <laughs> yeah, indeed. My tree this year is such a chunky boy. I love him so much. <laughs> I love my big chunky tree. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I was using an artificial one, Master Wife. So next up to um, to point his uh, his side eye at Christmas, uh, sidling up to the microphone and uh, getting ready to drop some truth bombs on the twenty uh, fifth. Uh, I don't know what this is. Um, it's John Bounds. Hi, John. Hello. Well, no, I, well, first, I thought we, we, we might not think about the Christmas, but we might think about um, that bit between Christmas and New Year. Mm. Yes. You know, the, you know, the bit where no one really knows what day it is, what's going on. You exist in a kind of perpetual locked-in cold present. The, um, you know, or... Uh, to, I'm stuck in a cheese board. To your... Or, or, uh, yes, 2020, as we now know it, the, the, uh, the, tw- the 2000s um, Merineum. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, the, 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 no, well, the, the Merineum is the, the thing I want to talk about, that bit between Christmas to you, the Merineum. When you don't know when the bins are coming, right? That's the, that's the joke, <laughs> isn't it? You don't know. The, are, the, are the bins coming? Are the, when is bins? When? <laughs> are the bins coming? Are they not? But the Merineum, the, the, uh, my wife. My wife. Take my wife, take my wife. My wife uh, loves that joke about the Merineum. 
but she pronounces it as Merinaeum. Merinaeum. Yeah, which suggests that she doesn't know oh. why it's a joke. And she she doesn't know mm. what a perineum is. So I'd just like to point out uh, to everybody um, <laughs> what a perineum it's the is. Christ- it, it's the Christmas Biffins Bridge. Yeah, well, there's a, the, the, uh, the, the big question is, what is the bit between a prick and an arsehole? And the answer normally is the dispatch box. Oh. Hi, everybody. This has been Bounder's Joke. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> right, but... I've been thinking a lot about. I've been thinking a lot about this sort of thing. Is well, I used. I've been. I work for a. Oh. I work for a place. I work for a place where it isn't the weirdest idea in the world to suggest that you get actually decent comedians to write Christmas cracker jokes and sell the Christmas cracker jokes for charity. That tracks. Uh, this has never. This has never happened. But I was thinking about how um, different parts of culture sort of like um, feel that they need to react to Christmas. So in the middle of like the fucking pandemic and in the middle of the Brexit thing with the like problems with deliveries and stuff, the government has felt that it needs to make an announcement about father Christmas, having a COVID secure and having the right Brexit paperwork. So he could make his deliveries. He's, he's not going to get stuck at, uh, so he's not going to have to sit in a lorry park in Kent. He's not going to, it's fine. Because he's got Christmas magic, right? But Christmas magic and key worker <laughs> status. <laughs> status. Does that mean he's first in the queue then for, for the vaccine? I think he's had that right up him already. He's got Bill Gates all I mean, over him. He's <laughs> got to, he's got to be over 90 and Bill Gates is controlling him. Everybody, everybody's <laughs> going to be getting a, an Xbox for Christmas now. But what I wasn't expecting was this fucking irritating argument between unions as to which union Father Christmas was in. Oh, postal workers. Yeah, the communications workers union have said he should be in the communications workers union because he does do deliveries. Uh, Unite have said his, his work is more general. Uh, GMB have said that he's, you know, he, he oversees a factory essentially, so he's a right-wing c- so um, he should be in their union. But uh, let's face it, Father Christmas is not in a union. He is a boss. Yeah. He's a mm-hmm. sweatshop owner. Owner-operator, yeah. Uh, we, we're going into Oompa Loompa territory here. But anyway, this has absolutely nothing to do with my entry <laughs> because <laughs> my entry is reassuring for you all I'm being nice at Christmas and I want to tell you why the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy says Father Christmas does exist. Don't worry, says the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Father Christmas is real. Before going on to explain how absolutely no one has the faintest idea how he delivers all those presents to the right people all across the planet Earth, especially not any of the Earth's courier firms. There was for a time a theory that Wow Bagger the Infinitely Prolonged could have been doing it as a summer job, maybe even that the stress of having to double-check everything led to his decision to insult every living being. This idea was scotched when Wow Bagger himself revealed in an interview with Trillian Astra that he planned to call Santa a fat, red, ape-like reverse burglar when he got to the S's or the F's or the C's and added that even chimeric creatures should pick a bloody name and stick to it. Other planets and civilizations have similar gift-giving gremlins, or Santanalogs, as a too-smart-for-his-own-good researcher called them. There's Janta Jaws of Greylish Kappa, a small hairy creature whose unstable high centre of gravity allows unexpected falls to avoid detection when delivering gifts, and has to be continually flattered or it will leave to join a band of red devils. 
Another is the Yule Lads, who leave small parcels of banter by emptying their sacks in children's shoes for a laugh in the 13 days before Christmas on the small but strange planet Idegood Johnson. But perhaps the oddest Santa is the ill-behaved octet of festive spirits from Japan on Earth, the Nagoya Krampus 8, who steal away partially injured sports people and only return them as trained media personalities. But the biggest failure in working out just who Santa is wasn't a failure at all, but a failure to listen. Crypto-ethnographers, the branch of ethnography that deals with the society and actions of fictional creatures, have long suspected that their discipline was on borrowed time. When asked about the evidence of the existence of Santa, their usual out-of-office auto-response didn't cut it. Thank you for your inquiry, it said. It's all to do with the collective imagination. If you require more detail, please read this again with friends in a state of intoxication. Replies to this inbox will not be monitored, but will still somehow affect the unconscious desires and fears of society. Eventually, the finances of Maxi Megalon Solent University decided the crypto-ethnography faculty building should only exist in the collective imagination too. They left to spend more time hanging out in the sort of dark bars, murky conventions and argumentative sub-ether chatrooms that they spent most of their time in anyway. But despite the writings of Ulon Kolufid, his weekly part work Santa Claus and Other Things That Do Not Exist, Freebinder with Part 1, never came to a firm conclusion. At least we couldn't find it in the newsagents. We know that Santa's real. Voltaire said, If God did not exist, it would be necessary to invent him. This, of course, has happened, and also with Father Christmas. While the origin story for St Nicholas is well established and the myths around the retelling of the myths grow each year, it's clear that, like a stopped pseudoscience, cryptoethnography was right twice a millennia. You just have to have the effects of collectively, unconsciously acting as if it's all real. Eat the damn mince pie or society collapses. John, where are you on your Santa Clausing journey uh, in terms of your level of of guilt at lying to your son versus your level of pleasure in his joy? Ah, uh, well, no, the the guilt and the the pleasure thing are not not really here nor there. The the big discussion in our house is really about exactly how Santa Claus works in a socialist universe. So. Father Christmas, we don't use exactly, the term Santa Claus. It's an American. It's an Americanism. <clears throat> the, You're um, going to lose that battle, but go on. <laughs> Father Christmas in our world gives presents to every single boy and girl, but only little ones in their stockings, mm-hmm. because uh, otherwise you get this thing about how, like, Father Christmas gives big mm-hmm. presents to the rich kids and small presents to the poor kids. No, it's really fucking weird because every. It, Absolutely every children's piece of fiction that deals with Christmas. And children's fiction deals with Christmas far more than you think it would. Because Christmas is one day a year, but it's in about what, 25% of children's mm-hmm. programs. Um, as is, cats stuck up trees. Uh, ne- never happened in my experience, but they're always fucking up. The Oliver Jeffers book, um, Stuck, does feature Father Christmas in a tree and a cat in a tree. So, you know, kind of got all your bases well, what, covered there. What ha- Great book. So what happens in what happens in these Christmas stories is Father Christmas has a problem. He needs to call on the protagonists of the story to uh, help him deliver the presents in some way. Um, 
as far as I'm aware, that's never happened. No, I don't. No, I think I think I think you're right. I think it's 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 more it's more Christmas propaganda. Um, it's it's <clears> it's it's more from the so-called Santa Brigade. Um, that's just perpetuating this myth, John. <coughs> and uh, and I for one won't. It's, 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 it's it is big Santa. It's big right? Santa. Um, along those lines, by the way, uh, circling back, if you will, uh, to to a, an earlier conversation, I'd like to read you this. Um, I'm a man of reason, and they say it is the season to be jolly, but it's folly when you volley for position. Never in existence has there been such a resistance to ideas meant to free us. If you could see us, then you'd listen. Toiling through the ages, making toys on garnished wages. There's no union. We're only through when we outdo the competition. I make toys, but I've got aspirations. Make some noise. Use your imagination. Girls and boys, before you wish for what you wish for, there's a list of who's been naughty and nice, but consider the price to an elf. Wow. It's verse, verse one in the chorus of a song called Elf's Lament, um, which is basically about elves uh, unionising. I'd like to, to, to put a little bit of peg in this market at this point. And um, I'd like to also say that I was very grateful, and I hope you keep it in, where you said that you enjoyed my bit, even though you didn't understand oh, yeah, damn right, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> and, damn right, I enjoyed it. No, I mean... It, but no, 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 it was a lovely thing to, to say, because, I mean, quite frankly, I didn't really understand it. <laughs> I thought you missed an opportunity by saying that uh, Super Jack might go to Man United. If you were going to make a Super Jack reference and keep it Christmassy, you could have gone Spurs, which is the more fancy team for him to go to, and made a poultry joke, but... I'm sorry, I don't pay that much attention. Is that a little bit too inside football? Well, I don't now, pay is that-, that a poultry joke or is that a joke about poultry? Yeah. I only knew it was football when you mentioned the word football. So now I'm up and uh, I've written some things about Christmas, lads. Um, and uh, and I, 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 hope, I hope you like them. I hope you like them very much. These are my words. Some- I'm going to have someone read them for you now. I'm going to have a nice lady read the words that I've written. Trinities are sacred within many communities across almost all sentient life in the universe. For some, books about orcs, elves and hairy-footed allegories for the working class form a sacred trilogy, whereas for others it might be cinematic retellings of ancient tales of oppression, jazzed up with glowing swords, walking carpets and women with baked goods on their ears. For yet others, there might be a third thing, proving that the holy trinity of the comedic rule of threes is still alive and well. But common to all organic life in the universe is the holy trinity of guilt, shame and obligation. Together, these feelings form a sort of psychic pimple, an existential zit that gradually grows over the course of the planet's solar cycle until it inevitably has to be lanced with the help of a large dinner, several units of alcohol and the revival of a long-dead sitcom. Over the centuries, each habitable planet in the universe has developed a number of religious or spiritual excuses to bring people together so as to stop the cosmic boil from bursting all over everyone and ruining Gran's birthday. For the Saquapilia Henchens, it's the festival of the Assumption of St Antwelm, a point in the calendar upon which the guide has maybe lent a little too hard on lately. Whereas in the less fashionable end of the galaxy, some of the inhabitants of a small blue-green planet celebrate Christmas, honouring the memory of a man who was nailed to a tree by exchanging small bits of green paper for small bits of white paper that bear the same value as the green bits, but can only be exchanged in a newsagent. Each being bears their own incarnation of the trinity of guilt, shame and obligation. The latter is formed from all the missed family gatherings, the birthdays of Aunts Mabel or the engagements of cousins Martin. 
The existence of a planet-wide pandemic can only serve to heighten the sense of obligation, and despite the prevalence of video conferencing software, these feelings are not lessened, because apparently attending a bar mitzvah in hologram form is just not the same. A callus of guilt begins to form around the sense of obligation, which grows tougher as the subject nears the time at which presents are to be exchanged. On planets whose inhabitants are not weirdly obsessed with gift vouchers, choice paralysis leads people to procrastinate until it's the night before the day of celebration and all that's open is a fueling station selling large bars of chocolate, air fresheners and CD copies of Cliff Richard's latest album. Footnote, every planet has a Cliff Richard, also for some reason a Dido, although no one knows why. Surrounded by obligation and fortified with guilt, the boil begins to swell as it fills with the poisonous pus of shame. This fetid separation is transmitted psychically by those to whom the subject is related. With each comment from a loved one about the subject's weight, hairstyle, sexual orientation or colour of trouser, shame multiplies. The fact that these family members are themselves beset by their own virulent shame is easily missed. Fueled by tiny, individually wrapped, fun-sized chocolates and cups of mulled wine, shame festers as it grows, even through the soup course. But at some point during the festivities, the matriarch of the family will suggest the people gathered together join hands. So as not to make it too uncomfortable, tradition dictates that a cardboard buffer be placed in between each pair of hands, which, when pulled apart, creates a miniature wormhole out of which falls a paper hat and a tiny comb. As each person regards the other with their ridiculous paper crown and sees the tiny child that lies within all walking sacks of meat, regardless of their age or status, everyone's guilt, shame and obligations leaves their bodies in search of a new host. And that's how you get figgy pudding. I really like the idea that the um, the, the culmination of the family during Christmas is some sort of like psychic purging of all the, <laughs> all the bad shit that... That we've had up over time, brewing yeah. all over year, and because of the veneer of Christmas, and we have to be nice to each other, it's kind of a way of venting that. Yeah, that is a very nice idea, Mark. The, thank you. I, I think I think the closeness to the, the the new year as well it gives us, you know, some of us all. I mean, I, I was intolerable enough uh, a year or so ago to be sat around with my family and to discuss for what we were thankful, um, which seems a little bit too wide-eyed and um strong 2019 vibes there mark strong 2019 vibes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 2019 that year that everybody fucking thought was great um i like the little sixpence in there that was where where you where you talked about the the, the narrator expressing this idea of 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 shame but not being aware of how shamed everyone else yes. felt at the same yeah. time absolutely and um, if I'm going to take anything away from this, it's it's a hangover. But <laughs> if I can remember anything about this recording, it will be thinking about that and thinking about not being so locked into my own subjectivity and thinking about what else is going on around me. Yeah. Thank you. Well, th- th- I, mean, thank I wasn't you. listening, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I've learned a lot about shame over the uh, over the last eighteen months, and. Um, yeah, it's um, it's it's a, it's a poisonous whole thing, and I think it is really easy for us to assume that everybody else, like, it's that whole thing of we assume everybody else has got it covered, has got it locked, has got like, yeah, we know what's going on, and like everybody is hurtling down a motorway, 
at three times the speed limit going, I don't know how to drive this thing. Like that is everybody. It's just that some people have a slightly cooler exterior about, about them than, than other people. Basically Danny is what you're talking about right there. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. Danny's, Danny's hurling down a motorway going, make it go faster. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the worst thing is not the Danny in this situation. The worst thing is the, I'm you, the fact you have to like say that, son. like the, the fact that you have to point out that I'm not the worst thing. Like it's, <laughs> in any that's not situation. <laughs> I know we all think Danny's the worst. Thing. In most situations, Danny is the worst, but on this one, he's okay. Mr. Hickman, you are you're bringing up the rear, um, and uh, I would like to know what you've got in your stocking. <laughs> I don't know. Is that, is that anything? <laughs> Have you emptied your sack? You've written something very nice about Christmas. I'm, I'm hanging up my stockings on the wall. Mm-hmm. I really like the bit in Merry Christmas by Slade where they reference their own name in a pun. Oh, yeah. I think that oh, is yeah. one of the best lyrical moments of just absolute chutzpah that I've ever heard. And if I'm right, it's, it's like a three-way pun. I mean, it's it's doing, it's pulling, it's pulling a lot of, a lot of juicy. It's, it's doing, word. doing a lot there. It a really lot. is. It's a lot of heavy, heavy lifting. Hats off to the lads. Deserves all the times it became number one at Christmas. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Not a genius. Not it ain't yep. Christmas till I say, right? <laughs> yep. So Mark, Mark talked a lot about, uh, about guilt uh christmas and um i uh, you, you set up a little bit of a stall about about new year maybe and i i did push on a little bit past christmas i'm sorry about that it's all right we're in the marinium um, or marinium yeah we are we are we, we certainly are and um my piece is called the season of forgiveness should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind and something 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 else for old lang syne these are the unknowable words of a popular song which was sung on an insignificant planet in an unpopular part of the galaxy to mark an arbitrary point in their relentless orbit of their yellow sun The words were brought to us by a guide field researcher with the note that they were very similar to the words he'd once sung on Beetlejuice 5 during a similar festival of orbital celebration. The Beetlejuicean version of the song goes, Can we forget I acted Belgian and never bring it up? Let's drink a drink and have a hug for Zwirtle Bajang Jang Dong. He went on to say that he wasn't sure what Zwirtle Bajang Jang Dong actually meant, and to emphasise that singing the song was very unhoopy, but somehow he couldn't help doing it, even though he only knew the first verse. Struck by the plea for forgiveness in both versions of the song, and its connection with the completion of a full year, he proposed a complex theory. He suggested that versions of this song existed and were sung throughout the galaxy to mark the orbital anniversary of all planets which sustained life, and as such represented an erased memory encoded into the very fabric of life at the most fundamental level. He further expounded that this song's thematic content suggested that there was an essential goodness in all creatures, a capacity for reasoning and generally having a chill time, and that this presents the possibility that we could all 
all grow to respect each other and could perhaps work together for the benefit of all. And to this memo, the sub-editors of the guide issued the following terse reply. That's an interesting theory, but have you ever actually met the ravenous bugblatter beast of trial? It so happens that the researcher's theory was broadly correct, and actually the ravenous bugblatter beasts of trial have recently been observed to travel many miles each year to stand with others of their kind. Here they cross arms and can be heard to sing. Sorry that I ate your gran, and can we start again? Your gran cannot, I ate her dead, for beautiful At a recent symposium, the leading philosophers of the galaxy declared all of this to be a good thing. In a rather lofty proclamation, which frankly nobody requested, they announced, ending the annual cycle of a planet with the renewing of friendships, the reforging of bonds and the granting of forgiveness is the hoopiest thing living things do. But that song with crossed arms dancing is dumb, really dumb. I mean, do you even know the words? The announcement was met with disinterest by most beings, but has been the subject of some strong critique from anthropologists who are studying the residents of Venkaturn Alpha. The Venkaturian language is amongst the most ornate in the universe, and even the word hello translates into Venkaturian as a 437-volume epic poem. This being the case, a single verse of their annual forgiveness song takes over three millennia to complete. They've not yet finished singing the whole song, not even once. The planetary economy is at a standstill, and children are born and die standing in a circle, arms crossed, driven by a primal need to forgive everyone for everything. Nobody on Venkaturn Alpha can even raise an objection to what's happening, because to do so would be unforgiving of the sins of their forebears. And so on they sing, on, 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 in a never-ending cycle of forgiveness. It's now the year 7898 on Venkaturn Alpha, and at this point, nobody on the planet knows any of the words, and they've all been humming since the year 6357. For the rest of us, however, taking time to forgive is a good thing, and if you have any outstanding grudges, then this is the time to cast them aside. And so, at this point, the guide would like to forget about the disgrace and forgive you for everything, even your onanism. We will raise a glass of almond milk to our friends. We will ask them what they've named their shoes and be okay that their musical choices are basic and stupid. We will sync our recordings gladly and with joy. For one brief moment, we will turn together towards the sun and say, this is it. This is the point where we will say a rotation has ended and a new one has begun. And we will fly through space together towards the heat death of the universe on the back of a piece of rock for old Lang Syne. Um, I'm I'm sorry uh, to to the other two gentlemen and 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 myself. Um, that's the best one of of not just this episode of of the ones. That's um, not true. Yeah, that's it is. not true. Yeah, that's, 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 the, that's the best. That's I the mean, best of the ones. By all, by all means, that was good. But come on. Yeah. Sorry, Dan. That's the best of the ones. Um, it's very clever. That was yeah, but also very. Adamsy, like that that perpetual singing of Auld Lang Syne, like is such um that that really feels like the the party that never ends, um and and people being born and and die while this party is still going on. But it's that it's not just that idea. That idea is fine. It's the 
It's the fact that people are born into this and everyone is silently screaming inside that this is not okay, but we have to, this is the life that we have. This is where, where we are. We are all perpetually singing all Lang Syne and th- we, we can't escape it. And I, I love that. And, and I love you. That's true. And I agree with everything you said, but I wasn't listening. And I also, <laughs> so right. I didn't know this. So by singing Auld Lang Syne, you're actually agreeing to forget all your grudges. Is that? Well, it's that thing, isn't it? Should old acquaintance be forgotten, never brought to mind? Yes. I, I didn't know what that's what that meant. No one does. So I didn't really. No, I didn't really know what that was. <laughs> and when I first became aware of it, we always used to go to a, to a New Year's party at a mate of ours. We called the Jock. Now, the Jock was born in Warsaw. <laughs> okay. Fundamental. So what, what I'm not uh, yeah. sa- what I'm not saying mm. Mm. what I'm what I think mm. what I'm not saying at this point is that the the joke was a particularly Scottish man. He was a particularly Warsawian. To our American friends, we do not mean someone who plays American football. Why would either of those words mean that? <laughs> yeah. I'm going with it. I like it. It's good. No, the the joke is a vernacular for somebody that plays sports at school. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I've I've seen his joke. <laughs> also, interestingly, the uh, the joke is uh, a man who we always describe as having two arseholes uh, because we, I once um, slept on a, 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 the floor of a ferry with him. And, uh, <laughs> You've had an interesting life. <laughs> You've made good choices. Oh, no, 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 no. I was awakened in the morning. Is John's brain about, right? <laughs> I was awakened in the morning at about... Uh, 5.30 a.m. Has there been an EMP pulse near him? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Can someone go and reset John, please? Turn him on and off again. I was awakened at about 6 in the morning by a woman kicking me in the head saying, is he dead? (laughs) (laughs) It turns out out I wasn't. (laughs) Maybe come and get him. He's fine. Yes. Everything's fine. Just, just come and get him and give him a hug and a cup of tea. I'm just giving you some fucking, fucking barbs from my life. <laughs> some barbs from your life. I'd like to make, I'd like to make some brief apologies to anyone who hasn't listened to the 175 episodes we've made before this. Mm-hmm. About oh, now is your, now is your perfect opportunity to uh, go and browse our back catalogue. Yeah. Um, well, no, tell them now because that's the exact point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no one listening <laughs> at this point. That's, this is the people check. People check in right. The second now. to last, <laughs> the second to last paragraph of of my piece was very self indulgent. Uh, I did try and limit the references to ourselves to the most recent episodes. However, one of the references is to either the first episode or maybe maybe an episode that we didn't even air. No, so, it's the, um, the very first, and we actually <laughs> did it twice. <laughs> I know. I remember doing it twice. I remember yeah. doing it twice. I wasn't sure if it had ever made any. It did. Is that it the actually did. It's yeah. It's 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 episode one, and it is about John Hickman. Being the kind of asshole as as I think John Bounds um, described him, who would name his uh, running shoes? And, yes, uh, yes, <laughs> that's true. And I, I and I don't know to what extent it's peeking behind the curtain to do the sink joke, but I don't really care about the listeners at this point because yeah. I'm here with my friends having a lovely time. Exactly, and and more more importantly, we don't have to sink anymore, and that makes my life a lot easier. And more importantly, there are no listeners. <laughs> if if there was ever a slowdown in the run, it was basically because we trolled Mark so hard 
with a very simple joke, which is just to shout sync constantly throughout recordings. Usually when I fluffed up a read. Yeah, he has to say sync at the start of taping. Yeah, I did that once. And then you were all absolute beasts. You were you were completely beastly to me. Um, and and I, I decided that I was never going to try and employ that tactic again. I was never going to ask, dear listener, um, anytime I try to uh, do, do any kind of production, what, what you might call production <laughs> on this episode, it is met with such scorn. Uh, that you would not believe mm-hmm. that even the simple act, the simple act of we we now have a, a state of the art system where each of us logs onto a website and we can see each other and and our recording is all done uh, in browser and 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 it's sent to it's sent it's up very into nice the cloud. Well done. Let's let's be let's let's be perfectly honest. That hasn't helped <laughs> because we now can do visual jokes. <laughs> well, I I, th- I, th- I think I think the point is the talent is very production resistant. <laughs> mm. No, I think I think you're absolutely right. Yes, we, we, I, I, we yeah. prefer the organic approach, and and yeah. and, and you come in, Mister Rules, yeah, like no, all the microphones. Are. Microphones have to be working and, and on. on. Yeah. <laughs> Ideally, you should be sat down rather than lying in bed as you podcast that kind of thing. Don't constantly talk about pissing in bottles during during yeah. recording. And if you're gonna piss in a bottle, it would be great if you weren't telling a story while you were pissing in a Can bottle. Can you not drink an entire bottle of port? <laughs> I am not on board for forgiving my for forgiving people at New Year's, and any time I've sang "Old Lang Syne," I have not known what it's meant. So anyone <laughs> that that's ever about? took any comfort at me singing "Old Lang Syne" <laughs> and rescinded. thinking that I've forgotten, right? That's never happened. It's all fucking logged up there, son. All up there. Wow. So, what are we? hopeful for given that 2020 is all but over um and that we get to basically go close window do you want to save changes no what are we (laughs) hoping for in 2021 absolutely nothing i'm hopeful for nothing i've abandoned and extinguished all hope (laughs) we are exploding we are on fire we are fucks all of us every single one of you there's nothing going on you can't talk this out it's too late uh unless you've got i mean there was that bit in january where it was like isn't it funny how there's like big hailstones the size of baseballs in, in australia and it's on fire that's the worst thing that will happen i know what you're saying john let's go up tempo come on let's be something good no i mean i i, I enjoy black humor <laughs> That's all you've got. Danny, as the nihilist in the group, can you bring us up a notch? Just because nothing means anything, that is the most freeing statement I can think of. I will go with um, this too shall pass. I'm going to nail bar chords in 2021. Like, I don't know oh, why dude, you, you guys don't mate. have... I don't yes. know why you don't have some goals. Yes, mate. Bar chords. That's it. I'm 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 on, I'm on the same I'm on the same train. Me and me and Roger get on the bar chords train. Me and Roger, we're, we're doing bar chords next week. We're going to nail it. Smash done. We're going to nail bar yeah, chords, mate. isn't it? Well, that just about wraps it up for the leopard. Thank you so much for listening uh, all the way through 2020, and that just about wraps it up for 2020. Let's kiss it goodbye and let's uh, hope for some brighter future to come. Um, my thanks also go to Emma Wright, of course, uh, editorial girl uh, who you, you will find on Twitter uh, for being the voice of the guide and for uh, reading all of our writings uh, over the last few months. It's been an absolute pleasure to uh, work on this uh, over the you know the 
the last year since uh, since we all went into uh, into prison um, in in March. Uh, and so I hope that you've uh, enjoyed what we've been able to make. We will be back next year with some more stuff. Uh, we've got a uh, significant birthday coming up for two of our birthday boys, which is hitchhikers adjacent. So uh, they'll be they'll be much rejoicing for that. Uh, and we will of course continue to put out episodes as frequently as we can. <laughs> um, but until then, I hope you can make the best of what remains of 2020. Take care of yourself and your families uh, and your loved ones. Stay safe. And as always, share and enjoy. Merry Christmas. Um, so, uh, uh, how we uh, how have we been? Pre- so, this uh, listener is um, ostensibly a Christmas episode, um, but knowing our track record, you'll you'll probably get it in June. Um, how are we preparing for Christmas in the end times? I'm jingling my balls. You're jingling your your balls, your baubles. Constantly emptying my sack. You know. Well, oh, <laughs> oh, I'm putting my chestnuts on an open fire. <laughs> Danny, have you got something rude? Something about eggnog? Is this, when did we become so bawdy? We've become bawdy. Is it because three of us are standing now? Is that what's, what this is? We're ribald. For her pleasure. Hiko's got his hand up like uh, Partridge falling asleep on a sink. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you do the outpost bit again? Because I don't think this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> no. <sighs> um, uh, yes, okay. Jesus. All right. Uh, let, let's, I'll, I'll try one clean take and then we'll see where we go from here.